Praise God. Hey, let me give you guys a quick uh, uh, announcement about our prayer teams uh, before we go further into the Word today. Some of you know this because I talk about it twice a year. And uh, if you're not aware, we have teams that pray on Sunday mornings 30 minutes before each service. They pray for you, so you've already been prayed for. Aren't you glad? <laughs> Everything's going to be fine. It's all going to work out. And they prayed for me, so I'm going to preach good. Uh, and, uh, and they pray for, we have different teams that pray for each service every Sunday. If you'd like to be a part of one of those, you can be. These are, these are not, you know, like wimpy prayer meetings. These are not, everybody hold hand, we'll go around the circle and say a little prayer. No, they pray in power, pray in the Spirit. They're Spirit-filled meetings. And, uh, and if they're effective, they really make a difference. And so sometimes I go, I step in to, to one of them on Sunday mornings. I often step in and like, whoo, I just sense the presence of God real strong. Sometimes what I say, I get within a matter of like seconds of stepping into the prayer meeting. I mean, I'm already prepared, but it adds to or emphasizes. Sometimes even words of knowledge come. Uh, right during that time. So anyway, without going into all that, if you'd like to be a part of one of those prayer teams, uh, this is how we do it. You can text the word pray to that number, and then I'll bring it up in June again. So, <laughs> uh, so if you want to be a part of it, well, what you do is you choose your service, you choose uh, your, your week, because you do it every other week, so twice a month, basically, for the next uh, six months. You can be a part of one of those prayer teams if you would like to do so. We value that ministry. Amen. <laughs> Good, good? Yeah. Everybody happy? Yeah. Everybody full? Yeah. Anybody eat a lot yesterday? Yeah. Anybody repenting? <laughs> Praise God. Hope you all had a good, good Christmas yesterday. I want to welcome those watching online today. We got folks watching in California, the land of the not free. Uh, <laughs> bless you guys. Uh, from Washington, same. Uh, <laughs> Texas, Oregon, Arizona, Michigan, Florida, and people in India watching. Hey, India, awesome. We're glad you guys are all tuning in and uh, pray that you'll receive from the Word today. Amen, amen. If you're ready for some Word, if you have a Bible, go ahead and get it out and go with me to the book of First Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. I've been teaching a series that I want to conclude today called The Living Stones. Praise God. We had excellent services on uh, Christmas Eve. How many were a part of those services? Come on. We saw, I found out this morning, 39 people received the Lord. Christmas Eve. Isn't that great? Thought they were just coming to some little religious <laughs> gathering. And just like that, have an encounter with God that changes their eternal destination. Praise God. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4 reads, uh, Coming to Him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, 
a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So uh, the, the essence and the foundation of this teaching series is that God is building something eternal. We all need to keep our eye on the ball in that regard. We build natural homes, we build natural businesses and, and structures like this one, uh, but we're just, we're just building them, it's fine, we enjoy them, we, we, we should use them up to the max, but also should re be reminded that one day they'll all be gone. All right, everything will be a big pile of ashes, there's a great fervent heat coming, and it's gonna melt the elements, it's called global melting. And, uh, <laughs> And everything, everything we've worked so hard to build physically will be gone. But those things we do for the Lord, they last forever. Okay, they're eternal in their reward. They're eternal in their, in their fruit. And, uh, and so God is building a spiritual house and he's using living stones. That's us. Okay, he's using us to do something that's going to last forever. We were sharing with you last time about the fact that, that serving God is a long-term proposition. Okay, this is, is not something we, uh, we do just for a minute. We shouldn't think of it that way. Eternal life is like eternal, right? <laughs> eternal life, salvation is a forever gift. It's a forever experience. Therefore, serving God is also something we should do, we ought to do forever. It's not in and out, it's not I'm gonna do this for six months, now you may change what you do from the Lord based upon different factors, but if you're really in a relationship with God, it ought to be a part of your, your thinking, I'm going to serve him all my days. I'm always gonna be actively involved in doing something for the Lord. Not because it's required, but because you want to. All right, and, uh, and, and how many know you don't retire from, becoming a, uh, from being a Christian? People retire from other things in life, from different careers, but you don't re retire from serving God, right? Well, I've been doing this for a lot of years now, and I'm just going to take it easy. Stop, stop, quit that. <laughs> take, it, take it easy in heaven. Or let me, let me just clarify. Easy is not out of the will of God. Easy is always in the will of God. In other words, God's grace enables and propels you to live life at a higher level when you're involved in what he's doing, not when you're on the outside watching what he's doing. So, yeah, you can retire from some things, but be committed to serve God all of your days. And, uh, and you know, the longer you walk with God, the more valuable you are anyway. You, you, we don't want people to die young. Like, you know, like 70 or something. <laughs> well, why don't we want them to die so young? Well, if, one, if, if, they're a, if they've been a believer for very long, then now they've, they've got the most to give. They've walked through the fire. Come on. They've overcome the trials and temptations. They can show the rest of us who are, you know, way younger. Uh, <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> how to do this. We need people who are mature and have gone through things to be a voice of, of maturity. Yeah. So uh, if you've been serving the Lord for a long time and, and maybe you got started when you were five and so by the time you're 30 you've already got some 
you know, some experiences. Uh, but be, a, be used of God. There's something in you that can help other people. Not everyone knows what you know. You know that's the case. We take for granted sometimes the things we know and the, thing, and the, the confidence we have in God and our prayer life. And we think, well, everyone has this. Well, I'll tell you, as a pastor, uh, no, they don't. <laughs> Not everyone does. And they need your example. We've been talking about how, how we can be a, a quality stone. You know, a living stone of a certain quality. You, being useful to God. And, and, and another one of those, those elements that we need to have working in us has to do with cooperation. Has to do with the ability to get along with other people. If I really want to be used of God, I need to learn not only the vertical relationship that I have with God, but also have good horizontal relationships with people. I need to learn how to get along with others. We are the body of Christ, and we're not called to do this alone. We're always put together. You know, even in Jesus' ministry, of course, he called the 12, and they followed him closely. There was another group of 70, and he sent them out to preach and to heal the sick. But you notice even in that situation, he didn't send them out in groups of one. He sent them out in groups of two. God wants people to be in teams. Even in the book of Acts, there was Paul and Barnabas and then Paul and Silas. And we, people were always doing things together. And, uh, you know, in one case, well, Paul and Barnabas were a great team, but they couldn't get along. <laughs> right? I mean, they probably did for a good while, but then they had a headbutt and they had to go separate directions. And, and it's a problem if you want to be used of God, but you can't get along with other people. And so we need to learn this skill because we're not islands unto ourselves. We're not lone rangers. The body of Christ is by very nature a, a togetherness, a working together. I read this story about a guy who filed an insurance claim and he labeled it to the insurance company. He said, the reason for my claim is trying to do the job alone. So what happened, so this, is, this is the letter he wrote, Dear Sir, I'm writing in response to your request for additional information for my insurance claim. In block number three of the accident claim form, I wrote, trying to do the job alone as the cause of my accident. You said in your letter that I should explain that statement more fully. I trust the following details will be sufficient. I am a bricklayer by trade. On the date of the accident, I was working alone on the roof of a new six-story building. When I completed the work, I discovered that I had about 500 pounds of brick left over. Rather than carrying the bricks down by hand, I decided to lower them in a barrel by using a pulley which was attached to the side of the building at the sixth floor level. Securing the rope at ground level, I went up to the roof, swung the barrel out, and loaded the bricks into it. Then I went back down to the ground and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure a slow descent of the 500 pounds of bricks. You will note in block 22 of the claim form that my, my weight is 150 pounds. <laughs> Due to my surprise at being jerked off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. Needless to say, I proceeded up the side of the building at a very rapid rate of speed. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming down. This explains my fractured skull and collarbone. Slowed only slightly, I continued my rapid ascent, not stopping till, uh, until the fingers of my right hand were two knuckles deep into the pulley. By this time, I had regained my presence of mind and was able to hold tightly to the rope in spite of my pain. 
At approximately the same time, however, the barrel of bricks hit the ground and the bottom fell out of the barrel. Devoid of the weight of the bricks, the barrel then weighed approximately 50 pounds. I refer you again to the information in block 11 regarding my weight. As you might imagine, I began a rapid descent down the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming up. This accounts for the two fractured ankles and the lacerations of my legs and lower body. The second encounter with the barrel uh, slowed me enough to lessen my injuries when I fell onto the pile of bricks. And fortunately, only three vertebrae were cracked. I am sorry to report, however, that as I lay there on the bricks in pain, unable to stand and watching the empty barrel six stories above me, I again lost my presence of mind and let go of the rope. The empty barrel weighed more than the rope, so it came down upon me and broke both of my legs. I hope I have furnished enough, enough information sufficient to explain why trying to do the job alone was the stated cause of the accident. Sincerely, a bricklayer. Likewise, we do not want to do the job alone. Amen. Amen. Turn over to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians, the fifth chapter. Notice with me here the 13th verse. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. Paul writes here, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So, so, so notice the language here. He, he declares their freedom. You've been called to liberty, or we could say freedom. He, he said, only don't, be, don't flesh out because of it. Just because you're free and you're not obligated to do certain things, don't do nothing. Well, what do you mean free? Well, I would say free from, not only free from sin and free from the power of the devil, and, but we're free from obligation. I mean, no, our, our worship of God, our serving the Lord is not to be compelled by, I have to. God is not forcing us to. He's not making us do things that, that he wants, to, wants us to do. Our salvation exists independent of any kind of performance. But he's saying just because you have that, just because you're not, your, your eternity in heaven is not based upon what you're doing, he said don't be fleshy now and just start to serve yourself. Use that freedom and serve other people. Because you don't have to, do it anyway. Do it not as an obligation, not because you're forced, but do it because of love. That's what the new covenant is all about. He doesn't just put a, lot, a list of requirements on us. He changes our heart so we're motivated from the love of God inside of us to do what we do. Everybody okay? We are all to aid in the growth of others. In fact, turn over to Ephesians, if you will, just real close there. Ephesians. Uh, chapter 4, where to use our freedom to serve one another. Again, when you don't have to, but you choose to, it means much more. It's kind of like, uh, you know, in some cultures and some, at some times, they have arranged marriages. And before you even have any say in the matter, this person's going to marry this person because you're a part of this family and we've all set it up. And, uh, and that's just the way it works. And and, uh, and I guess that works sometimes, and apparently it doesn't, it's not as bad as it might think, but as you might think, but I'm glad I wasn't arranged. 
<laughs> I'm glad my wife didn't marry me out of obligation. Like, I guess I have to do this and prearrange. I mean, it just, it just meant a lot more for her to say I do out of I choose to do. Right? No shotguns involved, you know, no, no obligation. It, it can't, love carries, carries that, that special weight when we are not forced to do something. I think it's that way with the Lord. I'm worshiping you. Why? Because I have to. Here it is Sunday again. I'm a Christian. Praise you. Or we do things for one another. Why? I got saved. Now I have to do this. No. Love compels us. We want to do things. It just means so much more when we approach it that way. Okay. Ephesians 4 and verse 16, speaking of Christ, it says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by, by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I want you to notice those, those two phrases. One is every joint supplies, and then every part does its share. Everybody say every joint, every joint. and every part. Every part. This is how the body of Christ is supposed to function. This is what causes growth. We grow individually. We grow across the planet. When does that happen? When every joint and every part. Every joint supplies. Every part does its share. So I think it's a valid question for us to ask, am I a useful joint? <laughs> am I a functional part of the body? Is what I do contributing to the growth of God's kingdom, of the body of Christ at large? Is my involvement, my activity uh, leaning um, or leading to that end? Or am I a lack of supply? Am I not doing my part? Praise God. How many of you would want to be a part of a, let's just talk about a local church here today. Ours. Uh, how many of you want, would want to be a part of a church that was lifeless? Um, all the people were selfish. Everyone came with an attitude of, what can you do for me? They're a little bit critical. Just in it for their own well-being what I want, what I like. Uh, how many would, would, I mean, if that was on the website before you ever came, <laughs> about us, selfish, <laughs> self-serving, <laughs> uh, we all think about ourselves, we don't do much for one another. <laughs> uh, I mean, would you attend that church? Would you say, oh, that's nice, they're just like me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, in reality, none of us would want to be a part of that. We wouldn't, be, wouldn't want to be surrounded by that. Yeah. I mean, you would think, ah, this just doesn't feel good. This is, this is horrible. Everyone's in it for themselves, and it's dirty everywhere, and nothing's organized. And I dropped my kids off at the class. There wasn't a teacher. <laughs> but they just said, You're, what age? Put them in there. <laughs> so how come there's not a teacher? Well, no one wants to do it. I mean, you would run from that church. I would think, I would, I would, I'd be like, I'm out of here. If they asked me to be the pastor, I would run. <laughs> I don't want to be a part of that. I mean, it might take a while to train people and cha change them. But none of us would want to be a part of that. Yet, sometimes 
what we're saying is, I want to go to, to a place where they're not like me. <laughs> what I mean by that is if any of us have that contribution, meaning nil, nada, we're just all about ourselves, what we can get out of it, but yet we want to be a part of something where no one else is like us, other, everyone else is serving, giving, generous, friendly, they smile, they're happy. We want to be a part of that, but we don't want to be that. I mean, no, those two, two things don't go together. What you do is you end up in a place with probably a good mixture, but they're far less effective than what they could be. It's the world's mindset of what do I get out of it? What can you do for me? Another way to say this is, is I could say, say it this way. It, if, if everyone in the church did exactly what you did, what kind of place would it be? I mean, if everyone were just like you. I don't mean in gifting. We all have different gifts, different abilities. But everyone had that same heart, that same spirit about them, that same attitude of serving, of generosity, of friendliness, of willingness. If everyone was just like you, would this be a nice house? Would this be a great place? I'm sure with some of you it would be like, oh yeah, I do want, I want that 2,000 of that person. But if I had 2,000 of that person, I would run from this place. <laughs> right? And I know we're all in different levels of growth. But if we all ask ourselves this question, I think it would uh, be somewhat revealing. And we can find out how to make it so much better than it already is. We need to learn how to get along. Get along with each other. We're not in it alone. And, you know, a lot of times people ruin their jobs. They ruin their family, family relationships. They ruin, ruin even church gatherings simply because they won't get along with other people. It's, been, it's, been, it's real uncomfortable. We've all experienced this. You may have worked with people that they just made work hard. They were so annoying. <laughs> they, were, <laughs> they were such a problem. And it made it hard. Um, it's easy to recognize that in someone else. <laughs> We want to make sure we don't contribute to that on the job, in family gatherings, when we come together. And so let me give you a few biblical principles, some, some singular verses that, that lay out some practices in how we should get along with others. Romans chapter 12 and verse 17 reads this way, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for the good things in the sight of all men. So here's something we ought to be thinking about concerning our own behavior is what does, what does this look like to everybody else? Now, now watch the contrast. I'm not just saying what does this look like to the Lord. I'm not saying I can act however I want because God knows my heart. Well, he does know your heart. Good or bad, he knows it, right? But we should also be aware of how we look to other people. Because we're, we have a relationship that we should value, and God values our relationships with one another. So he, has, he says, have regard for this in the sight of everybody. Amen. 
but not repaying evil for evil. That seems super basic and foundational, but it's something we all have to do, deal with. Because people treat us wrong, they drive on the road wrong, and speak sign language to you. What do you want to do? Get them back. Communicate on their level. <laughs> people at work sometimes, they might be rude. People might be distant, obstinate. People might be, they might lack friendliness. And what's, what's on whatever level of evil we could talk about, sometimes it's very minor evils, but our tendency is you treat me a certain way, I treat you back that way. You frown at me, I frown at you. You ignore me, I ignore you. You do something intentional, I purposely stay away from you and probably talk about you, right? But that would all be called repaying, repaying evil for evil. Our, our job is not to repay people. People will do us evil. Don't repay them evil for evil. And people often treat others just simply as they are treated. They got the old covenant law mentality, an eye for an eye or a, and a tooth for a tooth. You hit me, I'm going to hit you. And then we're even. <laughs> Everybody okay? Yeah. I think one of the best uh, examples of this, and this is not just someone being rude, this was Jesus on the cross, a bleeding pile of flesh, because he's been torn, about, torn up, and now he's hung up on a cross. Remember what he said? People all around, there's his soldiers all around, there's everyone watching him, and he says, he prays. He prays, says, Father, get him back. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Father, you are a just God. Do something about, the, no, no. He would have been, he would have been uh, accurate and correct to say that. Justice should be served. Burn him up. But what does he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And Jesus did that. He's in absolute agony and pain, willingly allowing them to do it, and he's praying that way. And sometimes we, someone looks at us wrong, and someone, you know, takes the last piece of cake. What I mean is comparatively minor comparatively insignificant and we let it grind at us. We let it, mm, we let it get us. When what we ought to do is take active, take an active response towards anyone who does wrong to us in any way, what should we do? Talk about them? Confront them? Pray, how about this? Do you do what Jesus did and pray for them? How many know you don't want to do that? Right? Your flesh doesn't want to do that. That's our example, though. Pray for them. Say, Father, they don't know what they're doing. They wouldn't be such a jerk if they knew better. I'm praying not that you, not that you take them out. I'm praying that you bless them. I'm praying that you forgive them. Show them mercy. Show them grace. If we will actively do that, it removes that, that bitterness in our hearts. It removes that want to get back at them from our hearts. We pray for him. Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 12, Therefore, whatever you do, uh, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Do you like to walk into a place where they're friendly and helpful and, and uh, they're just cheerful and they're nice to you and they do things for you? I do. 
What should I do for them? I should do that. I should be friendly, helpful, generous, kind towards others. Yeah, that's what Jesus is saying. Well, what do you want people to do for you? Well, I want people to give me money. <laughs> okay, what should you do for them? You should probably give them some money. Well, I want people to, you know, name it. Whatever you want people to do for you. He said, that, that's the principle. Whatever you want them to do, go ahead and do that for them. That's the law of sowing and reaping. Praise God. I mean, you've heard it said that uh, there's a high percentage of people that if you will just smile at them, they will smile back. You get an instant sowing and reaping with a smile, with friendliness. And not everyone's friendly, of course. Some people are more difficult than others. And, uh, <laughs> but we can, we can be the instigators. We can set the stage. If you would like people to do that for you, help make church an amazing experience. Well, I walked into there and no one even said hi. Well, how many people did you say hi to? Yeah. Come on. How many people did you greet? Yeah. Hey, man, yeah. we're not dealing with, you know, a couple thousand Jesuses around here. <laughs> we're dealing with all of us, regular people, right? Start something. Amen. Start something good. Romans 12, 18 reads, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. As much as possible with you. What, what does that say? It's not possible to always have peace with everybody. He said, but as much as you can do, make sure that's the case. I'm going to make sure there's peace and not strife and not chaos and not arguments and not hurt feelings. I'm going to make sure with, with me. Okay, it's not always possible, but we should always do our part. I can't make sure you do your part, but I always, that can be my commitment. I will always do my part in helping there to be peace among everybody. Praise God. Now, if there are certain individuals in your life that are more of a challenge, whether it's when you're here, when you're somewhere else, they're more of a challenge for you to get along with, let them be your goal. Instead of riding and off and running from them when you see them, walking around a different hallway <laughs> so you don't have to run into that person, let it be your goal to get them to smile. I know, I know Amy has done this uh, with, with certain people. I know that not too long ago there was a particular individual, and, uh, and I won't tell you who they are. <laughs> but they, they just didn't appear to want to be friends. They didn't, they didn't look happy most of the time. They didn't look very inviting. If you walked up to them, they weren't, their face didn't read, it's good to see you, I'm happy to be here, I want to have a conversation, none of that. It was more, they kind of turned people off a little bit by their demeanor. And, uh, and what she did, instead of just taking that and saying, okay, well, I'll just, I obviously don't want to be talked to, I'll let, let them be on their own. She took it as a challenge and said, I'm just going to be their friend. She told, we had this personal conversation. She said, I'm just going to go out of my way and, and, and be real happy and smile and love on them and, and, and be friendly with them and talk to them every chance I get an opportunity to. And then, and then she told me, she told me last service, she says, now we're friends. But it never would have happened if she had treated them as she was being treated. Come on. It wouldn't have happened. She went and treated them like really that person should have treated her. Yeah. And it opened it up. See, we can, we can have much deeper relationships if we'll, if we'll uh, yield ourselves this way. Proverbs 15.1 reads, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. 
we can cut off a whole lot of fights, <laughs> a whole lot of disagreements and arguments just by not responding sharply, not yelling, not being harsh, but by having a gentle, soft answer. It turns away wrath. When you see someone that's fired up and they're angry and they're yelling, what's the temptation? You want to get in their face and yell back and say, would you shut up? <laughs> but what's the biblical answer? Come in softly and you'll disarm them. Your gentleness will serve as a calming force in their life. And what could be a fight, what could uh, you know, escalate into something far more serious will de-escalate very quickly with your soft answer. Proverbs 15, 18, Amplified Bible reads, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger appeases contention. What do you say we be the slow to anger type of people? Let me restate some of these things once again. So, you, so we're catching them. Don't repay evil for evil. Repay good. Treat people right. Pe treat people like they don't deserve. But how God treated you. Pray for people's forgiveness. Not just I'm not going to hold it against them. Do what Jesus did and actually pray. Lord, forgive them for this wrong. When you're engaged that way, it'll help. Number three, I, I said, do to them what you want done to you. Actively go out of your way, sow into their lives. Sow the smile, sow the friendship, sow the money. Sow, sow into them, give into them, and, uh, and, and that'll help the situation. You say, well, they're not very friendly. I know, I know, that's why you're doing it. You're going to sow friendliness into them. You ever been to a, a restaurant or a retail store and uh, the, all the people working there were grumpy? It's like, is there any management around here? I mean, they weren't trained. You know, they weren't like the Chick-fil-A people. Where it's their pleasure to serve you. They were like the opposite. Like, I'm annoyed that you're here. I don't like my job, I don't like my life, and I don't like you. What do you need? <laughs> I mean, we've probably all seen that level of customer service and it kind of annoyed us and we were kind of like, eh. Well, there's our challenge, there's our opportunity to treat them like they're not treating us. Say, well, they're being paid, it's their job. Okay, but that's not our goal. Our goal is not to correct everybody. It's to influence them with love. Influence them with our smile, friendliness, generosity. Praise God. You ever given a good tip to a server who did a bad job? Well, they need to do a good job if they're going to earn my tip. Okay. You may, that might be true, but we also might have missed an opportunity yes. to show kindness and influence someone with love. Praise God. We said number four, live peaceably. Be the peacemaker. Number five, answer softly. See, we're all in this together. God intended for us to function as a body, as a team. We have to get along. We have to learn to get along with other individuals. Um, have you ever seen a basketball game where they're all fighting for the ball underneath the basket after a, a missed shot, and then two guys from the same team are fighting over the ball? Because they don't realize they're on the same team. They're just being aggressive, and, and everyone around them, you know, and fans, and everyone's yelling, same team, same team, <laughs> because they don't want to lose the ball to the, to the other team. Uh, but they're fighting each other, and, and, and that, that could lead to a turnover and, and the ball getting, going back into the other team's hands. 
And, and I think if we realized that, it would help us as well. If, you're, if, if you have a relationship with God, uh, He loves the other person just as much as He loves you. I'm a child of God, but I'm not, not more of a child of God than everybody else who's received the Lord, right? And sometimes we need someone to yell at us. Same team! Yeah. You know, well, we're button heads with people and jockeying for position and, and, and trying to get recognized and, 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 and trying to have this and that. It's, same team, you guys. My reward, I believe my reward in heaven is at least somewhat tied to your reward. Meaning, not just that I do what I'm supposed to do for me, but that I help you do what you're supposed to do for you. Because we're teammates. Every joint supplies. Every part does its share. If I'm doing my part, then you are more able to do your part. And vice versa, but I can't control your side, so I just need to do my part. That helps you do your part. I don't want the supply of God's Spirit to stop at me. I'm the joint, and the rest of you guys, you know, from here on out, you're just toast. Because I didn't like something that day. I'm having my own struggles, so leave me alone. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. It's not, not, it's not about just whether I'm happy, or I'm sad, or I'm victorious, or I'm going through a trial. We're in this together. Someone else has a victory, come on, get your shouting clothes on. Someone else is going through a trial, get in there with them and help them through it. Amen, amen. And, and, and lastly, Romans 12.10 says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. So what's our goal? We seek to honor everybody else. Honor the gifts of God in other people. They're different for all of us. You're good at things I'm not. I'm good at things you're not. We recognize the God element, the God function in other people, and say they're a living stone. I'm a living stone. We're in the same wall. We're a part of the same structure, and we, we honor the gifts. We don't get so concerned if someone doesn't do it according to our method. I don't want to associate with you because your methodology is different than mine. Listen, God is working with people all over the planet who have inferior methods, meaning they've caught on to the heavenly system on some degree or some level. They're following the Lord on some level, but they don't all do it perfectly, and He still uses them. He still uses me, and He'll still use you, so let's give each other a break, too. And someone can do an imperfect job and still be my friend. (laughs) Still be my brothers, my sister. Still be my companion, my teammate. Yeah? If you fail, I'm not kicking you off the team. If you come up short, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab the ball and put it in for you. And you get the assist. And I get the points. For the team. <laughs> Amen? Because we all win or we all lose. Let's win together. Amen. Amen.